Well, welcome and uh, good evening to uh, Carmelite Conversations from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I'm your host, Mark Dennis, and my guest host in the studio is Francis Harry. Francis, how are you? I'm doing very well, feeling very blessed and glad to be back here with you. Well, Francis, you mentioned just before we came on the air, it's actually been a little while for us since we've been in the studio again. Uh, travel and business and whatnot has sort of kept us uh, uh, out, but it's great to be back again, great to be in the studio, and great to be talking about the topic uh, for this uh, particular program, and that's devotion to the Holy Face. And it's also great to have people uh, sending us email and Facebooking us and letting us know what you think and what you're um, encouraged by and what you're interested in. We really appreciate your comments, so keep it up. Do you have that address with you? I want to have us read that again so that people are aware of it just before we pray. And uh, also to remind our listeners, which we'll do again at the end of the the broadcast, uh, that we will be picking up on a series of some of the lesser known Carmelite saints. Not uh, certainly the impact they've had is no less than the great saints that we're uh, many of us are familiar with, many of our listeners are familiar with, uh, but we will be picking up on a series of some of the saints that were suggested by our listeners they would like to hear more about. So we'll say more about that at the end, but Francis, you want to give us that site? Right. The email is carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com, and Carmelite needs a capital C, so carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com. And then on Facebook, just Carmelite Conversations, and you'll be able to find us and um, make suggestions there and like us. (laughs) We like you, too. (laughs) Well, and I also want to just quickly uh, provide the phone number. Uh, We have had a number of uh, folks both call in and and provide feedback on this series on the Holy Face. And so, well, let's begin, uh, Francis, if we can, by... uh, deposing ourselves to the Holy Spirit and asking for his uh, intercession and uh, the coverage of our Blessed Lady through an opening prayer. This is a prayer. It's called Offering of the Holy Face to Appease God's Justice and Draw Down Mercy Upon Us, which we all need. And it was written by the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face. Let us begin in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, Turn away thine angry gaze from all guilty people whose faces have become unsightly in thy eyes. Look instead upon the face of thy beloved Son, for this is the face of him in whom thou art well pleased. We now offer thee this holy face, covered with shame and disfigured by bloody bruises, in reparation for the crimes of our age, in order to appease thee thy anger justly provoked against us. Because thy divine Son, our Redeemer, has taken upon his head all the sins of his people, that they might be spared, we now beg of thee, Eternal Father, to grant us mercy. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Francis, that's a weighty prayer. Uh, it might weigh heavily on our consciences, but unfortunately, it is a prayer that speaks to our day and our time as much as it did at the time that it was drafted and and did speak to uh, uh, our church uh, in many cases throughout the history of the church um, as it did in this series as we began uh, all the way back in the early to mid-1840s, uh, again with Therese of Lisieux in the um, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, and her devotion to the Holy Face, both of which we've covered. And 
uh, speaks, I think, uh, very specifically, unfortunately, uh, to the time that we live in today and the challenges that the church faces uh, in our modern uh, society. Yes, indeed. And I, I think we can all, uh, with all heartfelt plea, uh, say, mercy, Lord, mercy, and let your face shine upon us, you know. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, Mother Maria Perina de Michelli, and I may have uh, slightly mispronounced that, but I think I'm close. Uh, we're going to begin by talking a little bit about her life, but what's, the, what's most important, of course, is um, the experiences, Francis, that she had on so many occasions, actually, of uh, witnessing either actual visions or uh, what we would characterize in some sense as locutions. Uh, that taught her the significance of the Holy Face, devotion to the Holy Face. Now, of course, as we covered in one of our earlier programs on this series, uh, she would have been familiar with the Shroud, the Shroud of Turin, would have been uh, available to her uh, through the advances of science and so forth in the early 1900s. Uh, we have that image now, and of course it's a pervasive image uh, throughout uh, the Church today, but she would have had that image. And I think there's importance and significance in the physical image, but we're going to talk tonight, because it's manifested in her life, about the interior image of the face of Christ being really emblazoned on her heart. And this is really the highest degree of the devotion to the Holy Face, isn't it? And something we all can imitate, because we're all called to radiate the face of Christ. And as our dear um, Pope John Paul II had said, to contemplate the face of Christ in union with and at the school of his most holy mother would be to recite the rosary, which is nothing other than contemplating with Mary the face of Christ. Right. There are so many ways for us to practice this devotion, but as Mother Perina is going to teach us in this particular program, um, ultimately all of that uh, must move to the heart. It must really change our heart. And she has an experience, of course, where Christ is emblazoned on her heart. And she has a both a, a very physical uh, reaction to that, but also primarily a spiritual reaction. And she is literally changed by the experience. She's changed throughout, of uh, course, her religious life, deepening ev- uh, with each experience. Uh, her understanding of this devotion to the Holy Face. But let's get into a little bit of her life. She was born in Milan in 1890 uh, into a very pious family. This is a family that it would have been very advantageous to be born into, isn't it, Francis? Absolutely. But then, you know, her father dies when she's only two. And this happens in so many of the lives of saints, especially uh, we know of our Carmelites who have experienced that, where, where one of their parents dies. There seems age. to be this uh, um, almost uh, I don't want to say a requirement, but certainly, as you say, it's happened in, in so many of the saints that we've covered. The loss of a parent at an early age, whether it's a mother, as in many cases it has been with our great saints, uh, or in this case, a father. Uh, but uh, there seems to be tragedy early on in life. And it, it does seem to draw us into that experience, though, doesn't it? Or it draws the saint into that experience. Maybe there's the shock of the of the limitations of the uh, earthly walk or the the challenges that are imposed on the family, as certainly was the case here. We won't go into it a great deal, but um, her mother, of course, was a remarkably strong woman, wasn't she? And she set an incredible example. Well, I think when there's only one p- parent left, you know, they 
they are given extra graces to be extra strong. And, and this is what we do see um, in the lives of so many of our saints. And then yet we see blessings, don't we? I mean, I'll go from memory, but I think I'm right in saying that she had two sisters who entered religious life. She had a brother who became a priest and then two other sisters who I believe um, were married and, and ended up having families. But nonetheless, a very uh, religious family, much like Therese of Lisieux, who we're going to talk about a little bit this evening because, of course, Mother Perina had a great devotion to uh, Therese of Lisieux as well. Right. And and uh, her mother then attends Mass every day. She prays in private. And in the evening, she's always leading the family in the recitation of the rosary, which we know is a great blessing. So if you, um, our listeners out there, if you're not uh, reciting the rosary with your family, um, consider taking that up as a devotion because it does help you to learn to know who Christ is. And when you know who he is, you can imitate him better. And then the graces through our Blessed Mother come to you. So it's, it's a very easy practice, but one which you can really, uh, even if you just said a decade, you know, because my thing was that, oh, my kids were so um, active that, you know, just to settle down for a whole rosary was, was hard. So we started with just a decade, you know, just to do it well, though, you know, to really be thinking about it. Right. Something to begin to expose our children to that. I know in my own family, we had uh, a practice. Of course, uh, many of my children are grown now, and I don't use that as an excuse, but we're not as faithful to that as we should be. But each Sunday, we used to get together, and we would do the rosary together as a family. Um, and we do do that uh, on occasion still with the, the um, two young children we still have at the house. But we do need, I think, to make that time for family prayer. Family prayer, I think, is critically important. But you stressed a moment ago, Francis, that her mother also made time for private prayer. Yes. Uh, in the afternoon, early evening, she would cut away from her daily activities. And we can imagine with as many children as she had and no husband, her daily activities were very full. And yet she made time for that individual private prayer with the Lord. And this is her mother now, uh, Mother uh, Perina. Uh, her own mother, uh, who set that example. What a powerful example it was. Yes, and, you know, as she prepares her daughter for her first communion, uh, when she was only seven, uh, she was so prepared and she had such great faith that when she received Jesus in that first Eucharistic host, she says, I saw the baby Jesus in the host, heaven on earth. Today, only by faith, I know he loves me. Reminds me of Therese and her first communion, too, you know. Mm. What a powerful image for such a young person. Yet, uh, again, because of the, the, the piety of the family, the religious upbringing, the significance placed on the centrality of Christ and the Eucharist in that family, uh, you know, we don't see this. Unfortunately, we don't find these manifestations often uh, reflected on in the church today. And we might ask ourselves, you know, is Christ as present as he was in the lives of these great saints? So many of the saints we read about, of course, uh, early 1800s, mid-1800s, even the early 1900s. We might question, is Christ as present to us today as he has been throughout the history of the church where we read about these manifestations? The answer, of course, is yes. Uh, it's our willingness to expose ourselves to that uh, intimacy with Christ. It's our willingness to open ourselves up. It's our willingness to engage him in conversation, simply prayer, um, on a consistent basis. And we all wrestle with this idea, well, am I experiencing anything in prayer? Am I getting anything out of prayer? Is, is there something that's um, uh, happening to me that I I know that, in fact, I'm I'm you know, receiving and, and uh, participating in that dialogue with Christ. And, of course, 
uh, I think the counsel would be there has to be a consistency to our prayer life. It can't be spotty. It can't be something where uh, only when we have a need do we then turn to our Lord. It is just like any relationship. It has to be worked on. It has to be developed. It has to be matured. We have to change as a consequence of participation. This is certainly true in in a marital relationship. It's true between parent and child, which matures over time, between brother and sister. Uh, Relationships must deepen and they must mature, but they only do so through conversation and contact. And it has to be consistent. At age 10, she suffers another loss, much like St. Therese of Lisieux. Uh, her older sister, uh, who was really her, uh, um, you know, a- a- another mother to her, uh, also enters the convent. And this is very tough for uh, Mother Maria Perina uh, to experience the loss of this uh, uh, older sister, who, as I say, is almost like a, a surrogate mother to her. Right. And in fact, didn't she, uh, her older sister, didn't she say, we're going to have some silent time for prayer? Yeah. And, you know, if, if uh, Mother Perina, when she was little, if she, she spoke, she says, well, then we have to start over again. Yeah. So she was teaching her how to be recollected and silent and, and be uh, persistent from a very young age. And it's really going to pay off. You know, it's an incredibly important point, And I think uh, we can never stress it enough. I said it just a moment ago. Prayer is a conversation. Therese teaches us this, right? Prayer is a conversation. Simplicity, intimacy, but it must be worked at. And even at this young age, her older sister is teaching Mother Perina the significance of recollection. We've talked about this, Francis, so many times. What is recollection? This recollecting, this gathering in. There's almost a physical manifestation to active recollection where the body begins to relax significantly. It takes time. And all of the, um, the, you know, experiences of our day, of our week, of our month, uh, maybe even of the past year or instances from our early life may begin to swirl around us. And there's the need to calm our reaction to all of that, to draw it back in, to center it in Christ, deep within ourselves, in silence and in solitude and in peace and in joy, which is what's experienced in that deep recollection. Like that scripture passage, be still and know (laughs) that I am God. So you're, you're looking within to find Christ within you, and you will find him the more you get quiet within. And what happens in our daily life, and Mother... uh, Perina will teach us this about the significance of the holy face. As I said, it's more than a physical image. It is more than a picture. It is more than devotion to a picture and gazing at a picture. All of those are important, but I would argue they're preliminary to the deepest experience of the intimacy uh, in the devotion to the holy face. And it's this interior idea that we're just bridging now and we'll get into more. Uh, But it's the need to draw ourselves back from all of those exterior distractions and and things that want to pull us off in thought patterns and emotion and, and, and so forth and to center ourselves back in the quietness and the solitude and the silence that is found in the interior. And is there a sleepiness to it? Not so much. It's a calmness. It's an interior gaze. It's a a um, you know a recollection again. I fall peace. back to that word, a peace uh, that allows us to then really come into intimate contact with the face of Christ. John Paul chose his words very carefully when he 
talked, as you read just a moment ago, about we must contemplate the face of Christ. What is he talking about? Is he saying simply carry a picture around with you and look at Christ's face? We could use the shroud. It's a perfect example. Is that all that he's saying? Clearly not. He's saying something much deeper than that. So let's get into what it is that he's also telling us. At age 12, Mother Perina um, has this wonderful experience, and I'd like you to uh, uh, explain it to us, Francis, because there's a significant actor in this uh, uh, experience for us that, that I think teaches us something. Christ uses his own words here to, to uh, communicate the significance of this experience. What, what was this? Well, she was at her parish church at a 3 p.m. Good Friday service, and she heard a voice, and it quite distinctly, uh, which w- would be a good sign, saying, No one gives me a kiss of love on my face to make amends for the kiss of Judas. And then, of course, in her childlike simplicity, like Therese, um, she believed that everybody heard this. And um, she could see that, though, they weren't kissing his face when they went up to the crucifix. And so she says in her heart, oh, have patience, dear Jesus. I will give you a kiss of love. And when it's her turn, she reaches up to kiss his face. And, you know, we can all do this. You know, we can say, Jesus, I, I give you a kiss in reparation for the kiss of Judas, you know, and, and offer that as a gift of love. It's a little thing, but it's, it's done with your heart, with your own love. We have to remember the humanity of Christ. We have to remember that he was a human person uh, subject to the entire human experience. And in this instance, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when Judas approaches him, he doesn't simply point him out. He doesn't uh, uh, stand off at a distance. He, re- he approaches our Lord and places a kiss on his face. And, of course, our Lord says, Would thou betray thy master with a kiss? Yeah. Uh, how painful must that have been? And what reparation uh, must the Lord be in need of to soften uh, his heart so that he feels um, the love of his children, those of us who who do have a devotion to him. So the actor, Judas, here, the character that gets brought out into this conversation with Mother Perina, I think is terribly important because it should give all of us pause to think, we too have spent time with the Lord. We too, if we're practicing, if we have a devotion, if we are a Christian, if we call ourselves Catholic and participate in the receipt of the sacraments and so forth, um, we have spent time with the Lord. And we may very well, on occasion, um, have done things uh, that may have hurt the one who loves us and the one that we say we love. And we need to be sensitive to that. We need to be aware of that. We are called to make reparation, not just for ourselves, but but for the, for the whole church, uh, for what, unfortunately, uh, are a number of manifestations of Judas-type love. Um, both outside the church and, unfortunately, even in the church. Uh, We've seen evidence of this in in the last many years. And so um, this is uh, not an insignificant devotion that we're talking about today, Francis. This is a very important uh, realization of what our Lord is calling us to. And he's calling us to it for a very specific reason. It is ultimately to transform us. Um, But we have to recognize the humanity of Jesus Christ, and we have to recognize uh, that we are called to an intimate relationship with a person uh, who uh, is in need also of our love. He needs to experience, uh, because he knows we need to experience, that return of love and that reparation. And from this moment on of that experience, she has this profound desire to make amends for all the insults suffered by the 
by Jesus in his holy face. And then she perceives that she's getting a call into the religious life. But <laughs> How does she respond to that, though? <laughs> I think she's like thinking so and screaming here. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, she, she prays in Novena that she will not receive a call for <laughs> a vocation. Isn't, isn't that, that amazing? amazing? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you who, but I know somebody who has confessed to me that they did that as a young person. Oh, really? <laughs> they felt they, they made, well, they didn't feel a call, actually. They, uh, they simply said that they were prayerful that they would not receive that call and that's okay the lord doesn't call us all to religious life he calls us all but he doesn't call us all to a religious life but she admits in in early um uh, life that she um, resisted this vocation you know again her mother was a strong influence on her and her mother had been a married woman with children and it's it's certainly uh, reasonable to assume that she may have a desire to similar life but um, she can't resist that call, and eventually she does finish school. She enters the Order of the Immaculate Conception in Italy in 1923, and despite promises that she would not be sent away, uh, she's actually asked to go to Argentina, which um, she has some difficulty explaining to her mother, but she, uh, her mother, that is, eventually gives in. Uh, and Mother Perina then spends two years in Argentina, uh, but returns rather quickly because even in this early stage of her religious life, her trials begin. She's uh, a sickly person. She suffers a great deal of physical uh, trial and um, is simply uh, too weak to remain uh, overseas, and so they allow her to uh, return to Italy. Right, but, you know, there was one event uh, in between this when she first became a novice that I wanted to point out, too. Um, it was, again, on Holy Thursday and Good Friday when she was praying before Jesus on the crucifix, and she heard him say, kiss me. So here's the kiss again. And so she kisses the statue, and yet when she kisses the statue, it's not the plaster pairs that she feels. It's it's real flesh that she feels. So, you know, now, at different this periods. Is, this is the second time, right? Yes. That she's kissed. Yes. Yeah. So she's professed now. Yes. Yeah. She is a, well, she's a novice, and yeah. so, you know, the the. The theme continues here of the holy face and the intimacy with our Lord, you know, because the kiss is a a sign of this great intimacy. And so she does become a religious and she, um, like you, you said, when she went to Argentina, that was a big sacrifice. And of course, she offers it up. And then there, there's just more and more and more because she's leading this life of detachment and mortification. Yeah, very prevalent in her life. I think two themes seem to run through. Uh, first is this idea of silent suffering. Uh, we'll cover just some of those uh, examples that, that are, are evidence of this. But the other major theme that runs through her life, and I think it is the call of the devotion to the Holy Face, and that is this deep abiding love she has for our Lord. It is not uh, what I, quite frankly, I'll just put myself on the chopping block here and say, um, when I began to become more serious about my religious experience and my need to respond to the Lord's call uh, in whatever capacity, I think we all tend, on some level, to begin to put ourselves in the middle and say, I've got to do this for the Lord, or I've got to do that for the Lord, or I've got to practice this devotion. And I think as she matures in her understanding of this through her silent suffering, she she understands, although much quicker than I did, um, it's really more about our need to love the Lord, to simply love the person of Jesus Christ, to acknowledge him, to recognize who he is, what he's done, most especially what he's suffered, and then to begin to uh, adopt that 
uh, persona to some extent where Christ dwells within us as we know and through that very silent suffering then demonstrate our genuine love for the Lord. We come to understand what love really is and it's certainly much deeper than what um, we understand in the context of simply a romantic love or even a love for a child. This is a much deeper form of love. It is a imitation uh, of the person of Christ dwelling within us and then expressed in love back to him. Yes, one of those quick examples before we break is that, you know, she would get up extra early and water the garden so the the sister who had to do it wouldn't have to. So she's already, you know, showing in very simple things that all of us can do is how she's denying her own will, her own comfort to alleviate the sufferings or the hardships of others. And, uh, you know, that's just one example. Well, I want to pick up on a couple other examples and also fill out this story of the Uh, the indwelling and the significance of the image of Christ within the heart. When we come back, again, a reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.
welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. We're uh, doing a concluding program on a series we've been doing on devotion to the Holy Face, an incredibly important, I think, devotion for this time in the church, and um, a perfectly appropriate devotion, Francis, for Carmelites to speak about, as it was gifted to the Carmelite community uh, very early on in the mid-1840s, and now we're all the way up to the 1940s with uh, someone who was not a Carmelite, but had a great devotion both to St. Teresa and to St. Therese, and that's Mother Perina uh, de Michelli, uh, who was a um, member of the uh, Order of the Immaculate uh, Conception, and uh, someone whom the Lord gifted with this devotion to the Holy Face in many ways. And we're talking about her personal life and these two themes of silent suffering and love for our Lord and Savior and love in a way that perhaps many of us may just be uh, beginning to uh, understand in terms of its deep devotion to the Holy Face. But a couple other instances you had related, the one regarding uh, her willingness to wake up in the middle of the night. Of course, she was a great practitioner of what is referred to as nocturnal adoration, which is nothing more than uh, adoration throughout the night. And she practiced this consistently throughout her life, which no doubt was a great blessing. But uh, there's another story about her early experiences in the convent, uh, which I'm going to ask you to share. Yeah, this is a good story because it shows how she put on the face of Christ, and she was the face of Christ to others. Uh, some boys were playing by the convent wall, and actually they're wanting to steal some of the fruit. <laughs> and the the uh, other sister, who is the gardener, is you know upset about this, and she's like these boys are naughty and you know but mother Perina goes over to them and she ends up giving them some apples from the orchard and she tells the other nun she says the hardest hearts are won by kindness treat them well and pray for them so that they may understand the wrong things they do so it, it, it's um, such a beautiful story because the boys would see this this love coming from her, and they probably didn't try to steal the apples anymore. <laughs> well, and it is a very powerful message because um, think about her her approach here. And you read from John Paul II uh, just a little bit ago, earlier in the in the first half of our program, and of course he was a great teacher on love, and he understood. Uh, the presence of evil in the world. He'd faced it in in a number of instances in his own life, Uh, not just trial, but evil. And he uh, advocated dealing with evil uh, by responding in love. And there's a great message here in this simple instance of, you know, young men just wanting to steal some apples off a tree over the convent wall in her response to it. But we're reminded uh, of a instance in the New Testament where Peter, uh, having been guilty of denying Christ, and we've read this story, of course, many times. Our listeners, no doubt, are familiar. Denying Christ three times in the courtyard uh, of the Pharisees as Christ has been taken in uh, for uh, questioning, if you will. And uh, in the midst of this, of course, Peter's engaged by the uh, folks milling about the fire, and he eventually denies our Lord three times. Christ comes out, and in the Gospel it has this very uh, sort of blunt um, uh, comment where Uh, Christ uh, looks into Peter's eyes, and of course, Peter, in that moment, knows what's happened. He realizes, you know, that the prophecy of Christ from earlier in the evening has been fulfilled in his own actions, and he sees the darkness in his own heart. In a second, he sees that darkness in his own heart, and much like Mother Perina says, treat them well. 
pray for them so that they may understand the wrong things they do. She doesn't say, treat them well and they'll act nice. Treat them well and they'll be good little boys. She says, treat them well and they'll understand the wrong things they do. Compassion is our Lord's response here, not criticism, not judgment, not uh, assailing them um, as guilty, but rather responding in compassion. And she's confident that in time, that um, softening of their heart will bring them to the realization. Uh, again, I said before, this is not a um, a particularly easy devotion. This is a challenging, this is a mature devotion, this devotion to the Holy Face. When you look into the face of Jesus Christ, not only will you see who he is, but unfortunately, in some cases, we'll have to see the deepest recesses of our own heart, Francis. Oh, that can be a little scary, but but have faith, be strong, and, and you know, pursue uh Finding the face of Christ within you and around you through the people that you interact with from day to day. Well, and again, I, I hinted at it before. Um, this devotion is also the secret of the indwelling. Uh, we know, of course, the, tr- the Trinity dwells within us. Um, and, and we understand that we take on Christ's very nature. We have, uh, uh, of course, his very nature within us, not simply um, you know, our human nature, but his spiritual nature, uh, which does not in any way diminish our human nature. In fact, it perfects it. St. Saint, uh, Thomas Aquinas teaches us this, that uh, grace does not in any way diminish human nature. It perfects it. But we are perfected by the realization of where we stand in relation to the one that we love and we know loves us, and that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this is done through the process of the Lord continually calling us into that deeper intimacy to a realization of who we are to witnessing ourselves in our real condition in light of his gaze his very powerful gaze and then having to struggle with um, both our our shortfall our shortcomings in this regard but also the lord's compassion which is the most challenging thing when you're looking in the eyes of love and you know that in some way you have been less than entirely faithful to that love that's the most difficult thing to deal with Um, that's why i said early on whether our consciences uh, are ready for this devotion it takes prayer it takes uh, a great deal of faith it takes a great deal of 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 hope uh, in the difficult times that may present themselves as a result of our contemplating the face of Christ as our Holy Father John Paul II has counseled us. And we got to remember God's mercy is greater than the evilest thing that we can do if only we repent and turn to him. So now uh, Sister Perina also takes uh, the passion and contemplates, ponders, you know, Jesus in the passion, his scourging and all the wounds, just like St. Teresa of Avila, our discussed Carmelite um, mother did. And it was in Lent of 1936, um, after she's been sharing his spiritual sorrow of the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, which Teresa of Avila also liked to ponder, um, Jesus tells her, I wish that my face, which reflects the intimate sorrow of my soul and the suffering and love of my heart, be better honored. He who contemplates me consoles me. So we can do this. All we have to do is be thinking of him. We don't even have to have an actual picture. We could just think of him within us, you know, and think of him in the mystery of, uh, you know, any any of the mysteries of the rosary. And we console his heart. You know, we all want to console the heart of Jesus, who's wounded so much by our sin. Yeah, and she's also um, cautious 
in in this instruction. You know, we reflect on Christ's life and his experience, most especially um, his passion, his crucifixion. All the saints counsel this, right? Uh, that to to deepen that love, to deepen that intimacy. As challenging as it is at times, we have to reflect on the sacrifice that our Lord made for us. And not because there's an emotional reaction to that. There will be. That's inevitable. We are human. There will be an emotional reaction to the realization that Christ has gone through this great suffering. Uh, But there's a deeper spiritual reality that's occurring, something we don't even, uh, in many cases, uh, know and we're not aware of. There's a transformation going on in our heart as that um, experience deepens uh, within us the love of our Lord. And Mother Perina cautions at this time because there's always the risk of discouragement. And she writes, actually, in one of her letters, uh, whoever believes that the saints did not have to struggle, oh, she says, uh, they also had their battles. Courage, daughters, because discouragement is a device of the devil. Now, this is a risk. And, and mm-hmm. again, I, I, I draw um, uh, from um, our writings or her writings and our readings the significance of this devotion and the very genuine um, uh, blessings that can come as a result but where there's blessings there there will be difficult times and she says um, the devil um, uh, discouragement rather is a device of the devil to make us go back not forward watch because the devil's a cunning fellow she says strive to be humble be patient be docile Fulfill your duties well. And she's talking about the smallest duties here. She's echoing St. Therese. Uh, Remain recollected. Perform well your pious exercises. Submit to everything with pure love. And then you will see if you do not become holy. And right, and when we experience that discouragement, we want to reject it and then do acts of virtue in, in the opposing way, you know, which would be hope, you know, persevere in hope. She also strongly advocates, and again, this is directly from her writings and her counseling to her own uh, sisters in religious life, uh, the, uh, the sacrament of confession. Very important, she says. Confession is the sacrament in which Jesus has shown the greatest love for his creatures. I am deeply moved and stirred, she says, to make reparation for all the outrages which Jesus receives in this sacrament and for all of my own infidelity, coldness, and repugnance. She's, she's criticizing herself here, but acknowledging uh, we all fall short. Jesus, she says, living in the confessor. If I were always profoundly aware of this great truth, oh, what love, what humility I should approach this sacrament with. Absolutely. And you know, as we approach those sacraments, then we get an infusion of God's grace and his love. And it's that which changes us. In fact, Jesus says to Mother Perina um, uh, shortly after uh, this Passion Sunday, he says, each time my face is contemplated, I will pour my love into hearts, and through my holy face the salvation of many souls will be obtained. So anybody anywhere can do this. We don't have to have um, any special training. All that we have to do is turn and look at Jesus. I know Teresa Valva, she kept saying, look at him, sisters. You know, you don't have to think much. It's just love much. Just look at him and love him, you know. Yeah, and she's emphasizing the significance here that um, Christ is the one doing the work. You know, I said a moment ago, so oftentimes we practice devotions. And we've run, uh, Francis, through so many of our common devotions here. The rosary, confession, um, the, adoration, the, uh, adoration, a family rosary. prayer. And all of them, we've said, can lead to this devotion to the Holy Face. And some of our listeners may say, well, isn't that... 
you know, just everything that we do anyway. Doesn't that, aren't those commonplace devotions? And my response would be, of course, yes. Uh, but we are taking the counsel of our uh, uh, former Holy Father who said, contemplate the face of Christ. We can use all of these devotions to do that. And this is why I say it is more than simply reflecting on the physical image of Christ as found in uh, either the veil of Veronica, which we have talked about, or in the shroud. These are guides. These are aids. They certainly assist us in this regard. But ultimately, when we say contemplate the face of Christ, we are told, and Mother Perina tells us this herself, this must move from our head in our thinking and through our vocal prayer into our heart. This, this uh, devotion, this intimacy with Christ has to move into our heart. All of what she talks about, humility, patience, uh, sacrifice, suffering, all of that must move into an experience of the heart. You know, one of the great teachings of the saints is this continuity or congruity uh, of the person, the, the, the holy person, which is bringing all of our thoughts and our words and our actions together into uh, one uh, a continuous, uh, congruous, if you will, uh, uh, person where our thinking what we speak and what we do become consistent, if you will, with each other. And a manifestation of the devotion to the Holy Face is that all of those do become much more congruent and they become more humble and more patient. And we begin to see the manifestation of all the virtues that we talked about earlier um, uh, coming out of the very presence of that person, as was true for Mother Perina. Uh, as was true and experienced by those in in, uh, religious life with her. And when we have that congruency within us, we have more peace. And then we can face the trials and tribulations of our everyday work-a-day world or uh, family issues with more calm, with with, uh, a mind that that can see more clearly because our emotions cloud us and we get distraught and disturbed. And, you know, we think sometimes that we can get sort of a running start in holiness and we'll do, we'll do well in the big things, right? Well, when that big trial comes, that financial downturn or, uh, that difficulty with my ill parent or, um, you know, whatever the big challenges are that we fear in life, we say we'll be ready for those. But Mother Perina, much like, uh, St. Therese echoes here in this phrase, there is nothing bigger than the little sacrifices of each instance which weigh on us. Isn't that, Therese, in in a nutshell? You know, we can all tackle the big lions. We can all tackle the big, or we can believe anyway and prepare ourselves for them. And while we're doing that, Satan, that, uh, uh, you know, deceiver, will trip us up with the littlest thing. Because we have more opportunities for the little things to go by. And so, consequently, we've not attained as much as we could have by just one big thing. So it's the little things mean a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no question. well, you know, back in uh, 1937, you know, there were there's a great devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus uh, because of St. Margaret Mary, the Sacred Heart. And um, so there was some question that maybe this new uh, emphasis on the Holy Face was going to take away from it. But this is what Jesus tells Mother Perina. He says, perhaps some souls fear that the devotion to my Holy Face may diminish that to my Sacred Heart. Tell them that. On the contrary, it will complete and increase it. Contemplating my face, souls will share my sorrows and will feel the need for love and reparation. Is this not the true devotion to my heart? 
And, of course, we just had the um, um, celebration of the devotion to the Sacred Heart in the church, and uh, it reminds us, as it does every year, the significance of the Sacred Heart being the humanity of Christ, seeing Christ not only in his humanity, but in the humanity around us and those in great need. And another one of Mother Perina's great counsels is, you know, she she writes to her sisters, uh, especially for those who should be his most intimate friends. Of course, we could... direct that comment directly to the Carmelites because Christ did when he first instituted this devotion. But what shall we say, she says, let's gaze profoundly at the divine face, speak heart to heart, and we will share his most bitter griefs. And he will say, console me, you at least, who say you love me in in order to be all mine. And also, she says, this is done through our consoling Christ in the people around us, in the trials that we see, in those that we love, in the trials of the of the folks that we come in contact with throughout the course of our day. We can console Christ in those people. That is also the manifestation of his sacred heart, of his humanity, in all of those trials that we witness around us. And she says that by doing this, Mother Perina counsels us that when we begin to focus our effort, our energy, our gaze on the trials of those around us, all of a sudden, all of our problems become remarkably small. Right. And now she's going to give us a, an, an outward sign, because the church has many outward signs of an inward spiritual reality. And so the Blessed Virgin Mary appears to uh, Mother Perina on the 31st of May in 1938. And she's requesting that there be a scapular of the Holy Face. And it was when Mother Perina was at prayer... Then the Blessed Mother appears in this beam of light, and she's holding the scapular of two small pieces of flannel. It's joined by a cord. Many of you might know of the brown scapular. Well, one of these pieces bore the image of the holy face of Jesus, which has in Latin, but I'm going to read the English, May the light of thy face, O Lord, shine upon us. And on the other side of this scapular was a host surrounded by rays and the words, in Latin, but I'll give you the English, stay with us, O Lord. And so Our Lady is is telling her the importance of this scapular. And she says, this is what the Blessed Mother says, listen carefully and refer everything to Father, which is her priest confessor. This scapular is an armor of defense, a shield of strength, a pledge of mercy, which Jesus wishes to give to the world in these times of lust and hatred against God and his church. There are very few true apostles. It sounds much like today. A divine remedy is necessary, and this remedy is the holy face of Jesus. Now let's remember this is the Blessed Mother saying this. All who should wear a scapular like this and make, if possible, a visit to the Blessed Sacrament every Tuesday in reparation for the outrages that the holy face of my son Jesus receives during his passion and is still receiving in the Holy Eucharist every day will be strengthened in the faith and will be made ready to defend it will overcome all difficulties, internal and external, and they will have a peaceful death under the loving gaze of my divine Son. Now, this is huge. And we can obtain this holy metal face at holyface.org. So if you want to get that. Let's, let's give the uh, the details on that. I think we have in previous programs, but let's give the details to uh, the Holy Face Association. I'll give you a quick uh, address and then um, the... Um, the internet address, if you'd like, as well. 
Uh, and again, I want to emphasize what Francis just spoke about. These are the words of the Blessed Mother, um, according to Mother Purina. And of course, uh, uh, she is today a Blessed Francis. Yes. And we understand her cause for canonization is uh, going forward, but uh, she has certainly uh, received the, uh, the sanctioning of the Church. Um, and this medal, uh, the scapula, of course, but at the time it was struck as a medal because the the wool material that they wanted to use for the scapula was difficult to acquire at the, the time of the war. Plus, yeah, with the war, it made more sense to have a medal that, that would last and, uh, you know, go through those ravages of war. Right. And so that's how we got to the medals. And, and there are many, many miracles attributed to this medal. Of course, we understand it. We're not going to do a catechesis on sacramentals here. I think I think we've actually done some discussion on that in the past, but we have to understand the significance uh, of the medal is certainly the medal itself. There is power in sacramentals in and of themselves, but the power is also the devotion and the depth of the uh, uh, participation on the part of the recipient, the person who wears the medal, uh, to that devotion, much of what we've talked about here this evening. And I want you, Francis, as I give this address, uh, to pull out the story, because I think it's perhaps the most significant one, of the um, experience where um, Mother Perina has the emblazoning of our Lord's face on her heart. I think that's really the centerpiece of her of her story. But uh, let me give the address for the Holy Face Association. It's P.O. Box 1000, Station A, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, H3C, 2W9. Now I'll read that again, and then I will give uh, both uh, that address uh, and the U.S. address. Uh, again, it's P.O. Box 1000, Station A, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, H3C 2W9. You can also write to P.O. Box 821, Champlain, New York, that's C-H-A-M-P-L-A-I-N, Champlain, New York, uh, United States, 12919, 12919. And that's holyface.com, not .org, yeah. so I messed up on that. Yeah, it's one word, dot com. Uh, and I've tried all three, by the way. You can use the Montreal address. I've gotten things uh, from them as well. It's really just uh, the P.O. box in, in New York is just the uh, the New York warehouse. And then, of course, I've uh, contacted them via the Internet. And they're very responsive. There are a number of books, medals, um, and other devotions that you can uh, that you can acquire through them. This is perhaps the centerpiece, I think, Francis, of the story that Mother Perina uh, has to share in terms of uh, the idea of emblazoning our Lord's face on our very hearts. And this was her experience of it. Would you read that to us? Well, she sought permission to imprint the holy face on her heart, which she received. And so she got a candlestick and uh, heated up this metal um, and then placed it right on her chest. And uh, it says, The enemy seemed infuriated on the day of the visitation. Perhaps he raged because in printing the red-hot cross of the holy face on my body, instead of a wound, I felt the delights of paradise. What happened I would not know how to put into words, especially in my present state, when I see deceit and illusion and everything. To the Father I can speak with simplicity. Isn't that true? 
When I placed the cross, I felt a most acute spasm of agony, and I had to force myself to press it, endure it as long as possible. When I removed it, Jesus showed himself to me and said, I myself wish to imprint my face on thy heart. Bending towards me, he rested his face on my heart. What happened, I do not know. When I came to myself, it was morning. I scarcely seemed to be still on this earth, because only in paradise is it possible to enjoy similar delights. The outward signs of wounded flesh had almost completely gone, whilst in my soul a sweet fire burns even yet. I was assailed with doubt and fear lest these might be diabolic wiles. Then I became filled with a profound peace, and I had to do violence to myself all day long because I did not feel myself to be still on this earth. Thanks be to God. And that time when my body bore signs of exterior struggles, I was able by means of this to conceal the truth. People believed me, she said, to be suffering from ill health. I allowed them to believe this and accepted the remedies offered. What's so important here, Francis, is this is, in, in a very succinct uh, way, a story that describes exactly what happens in the devotion to the Holy Face. We may appear to be suffering on the exterior. Trials will be part of that experience. But the interior, our souls, will experience, as she says, this profound peace to where we we believe we are actually in heaven. And we've heard so many of the saints relate a similar experience. I'm living in heaven. Uh, uh, Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity talks about living in heaven while on earth. And this is exactly the experience of Mother Perina um, in her uh, ultimate uh, experience of devotion to the Holy Face where she emblazons the metal on her very flesh and the Lord says no, 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 I will emblazon my very face on your heart and then she gets this incredible interior peace and uh, though the world may see the suffering may see the external and, and, and all of the trial in the saints, the interior is experiencing peace. Well I'm going to ask uh, that we just uh, reflect on this one last comment from our Holy Father, current Holy Father, Benedict the Sixteenth. Uh, we've spoken about John Paul a number of times this evening, but uh, Pope Benedict said, "One must allow oneself to be transformed." by the radiance of his holy face. So our Holy Father still today uh, advocating the need for our devotion to the holy face. Francis, would you close us out in prayer, please? And this is a prayer written by Mother Maria Perina, a prayer of reparation to the holy face of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O blessed face of my kind Savior, by the tender love and piercing sorrow of Our Lady, as she beheld thee in thy cruel passion, Grant us to share in this intense sorrow and love so as to fulfill the holy will of God to the utmost of our ability. Amen. Amen. Begin your devotion to the Holy Face this evening. We strongly encourage you to do that and share your experiences with us. We'd love to hear from you again at Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. God bless.